Life is one long journey made up of many detours. Some are chosen and some are not, but they all teach us something along the way. Welcome to the Detour Podcast, where conversations about life detours and travel detours converge. It's one part human experience and one part travel experience put together to teach and inspire us to take the detour and enjoy the wander. listeners. Thanks for being here again. This is Sheila, your host. And today I am with Stephanie LaRue. Now I've had some authors on before. She's a first time author. And let me tell you what she has hit it out of the park. She, um, I was blessed to have a preview of her book um, right before the official launch. And I didn't kind of know what to expect. You know, I was going to read it. And of course, you know, give her honest feedback, but be encouraging because it's always hard when you're trying something new to know exactly how it's going to turn out. And, and I really do have to tell you, I was a few chapters in and I started messaging her saying, Stephanie, oh my goodness, this is so good. And you've captured me. Um, you've done like all the things a great artist would do, which is create great characters and capture the reader right away. And so um, I really couldn't wait to keep on going. And um, I didn't expect to have it affect me the way that I did. And isn't that also the best thing about a good book is where you're not just reading about these characters, but somehow you can relate to them. And ugh, some of the parts were a little too uh, relatable if I'm to be honest, uh, it was a little tough, but I, I, I don't know how else to say this, but I had healing from reading this book. It helped me in my personal healing with some things I just can't say enough. So I wanted right away to ask Stephanie if she would be on the podcast, obviously to help her to promote, but to hear how she was able to write this book and uh, what called her to do it and all of all of that. So we have her here today. We are still doing the recording over Zoom. I'm kind of getting used to it now. It's not bad. I like being in person, but um, it's not bad. We're, we're still doing the COVID thing. And um, so we're on Zoom, but I'm happy to have her here. And Stephanie LaRue is, as I said, a novice artist, but she's always had a love for writing and she's writing fictional novels now. She's had a passion for making words dance on the page since college. She didn't start to write seriously until she was encouraged to use her stories to touch readers' lives. Her inspirational themes remind readers of God's abundant grace and unconditional affection for them. She does have a journalism and public relations degree from the University of Florida, but you will hear in her story this really kind of came out of left field for her. So everyone, welcome Stephanie LaRue to the Detour Podcast. Sheila, thank you so much for having me. Just hearing your intro, I um, have chills and a little bit of tears in my eyes. So thank you uh, for that. Well, I'm very proud of you. And I would, I would be proud of you if I didn't even know you personally, but it's even more so um, that I am because uh, I know how much this kind of really came out of left field for you. And yeah. so um, Stephanie has been, and I, I don't want to say just because it's not a just, but she's a wife 
and uh, a mother to her four daughters. Um, she had a kind of a career path before that. She worked in corporate America until she was pregnant with her third daughter. And then she left her position to stay home with her girls. And that was hard for you to transition, Stephanie. Yes, it was. Um, and it had to do, just to be transparent, I think it had to do a lot with pride where you go to college, um, you think that you're going to have a career, you go and have the career, people ask you what you do, you're proud to say what you do, um, and then it goes away and people would ask me, so what do you do? And I would say, well, I used to. Mm -hmm. um, like I used to do this because I still wanted to attach my identity to that role. And then when I had to have my role as a mom, like a stay-at-home mom, it felt very dismissed. So that was, that was a real hard um, shift for me. It, it's true. That's something I think a lot of people can relate to and, you know, myself as well. Um, although, you know, I had my kids young and I didn't really have a career per se, but I kind of always felt that kind of hanging on later. You know, I always thought about like going back to the, like, oh, I'm, I'm just a this or I'm just that. That's why I said it again. I hate to say just because I've really kind of learned, you know, how important that is. And there doesn't need to be a just in front of it, a just anything. We're not what we do. Like you said, that's not our identity, but yeah. um, yeah. So, but you, you know, you've, I think you found your, purpose in raising your kids like your focus was to just raise great people correct yes um i again struggling with that i prayed about it a lot it took years really um i saw my confidence really drop even to the point where and this might resonate with some where i would be ordering um, a meal in a restaurant and i could hear myself kind of fumble um, and kind of get embarrassed and i kind of had to go home and ask myself who am i like what is happening and um, I tapped into God and all that and just kind of brought him that. And the best thing that he ever did was show me, like, it doesn't matter what other people say or think, but that my job of raising four strong daughters for the kingdom was by far greater than any title I could ever have. And so I had to personally hold on to that between God and I and not let other people's opinion of what I did or the dismissiveness of it really affect me as much as it had been. I recently heard, um, actually a marriage counselor, I was listening to a podcast or a book or something, and he was talking about why he does um, marriage counseling. And he said he does marriage counseling because he's changing the world. And if you think about it, let, let's talk about the negative side. If you are raised in a family that is, the parents do not have a strong marriage. You're, you're, he gave the percentage and I don't know what it is, but you know, so many more times possible to have issues later on and think about uh, single parent homes and just not having that support. So you don't, you grow up to be adults with issues and all of us are regardless, but you know what I'm trying to say? And so his guiding light was that he would be helping change the world by creating healthier parents that would then raise healthier children that would then become healthier adults. And that's how we create a healthier society. And um, that was a really great reminder for me too. And, and I want to encourage moms or dads, whoever is the one that's staying home with them, that it hits you on all sides because you have the outside um, dismissing kind of your role most of the time. And then you have your children 
um, bombarding you. You don't get um, accolades. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't get raises. You don't get pats on the back. Vacation um, days. You don't, get, <laughs> you don't get vacation days. You don't get any of that. And there's so many times where you sit and go, am I doing a good job? Or how did I get here? And mm -hmm. I just have to say this week, we dropped off our oldest at college. Um, and I won't cry. I'm going to hold it together. Mm -hmm. um, but giving her wings and watching her fly like on a strong foundation that she's had with God, which I don't take 100% credit for. I give 90% credit to God where he's brought her. Um, but to watch that and watch that come into fruition is the greatest promotion or title raise or anything like that that could come. So I just want to encourage, you know, those moms or those parents just to hold on that the prize is there. Yeah. You can't see it. And you know what? If if you're caring about the job that you're doing, you're already doing better than you think. <laughs> because yes. if you're caring about that job and you're even questioning, am I doing a good job at raising these kids? You're already doing a better job than you think you are, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah, we are all doing better than we think we are. Okay. So back to this, you, you obviously have, you know, you mentioned a few times that you, you have a lot of conversations um, with God and, and yeah. in the book, the, there's a character in there uh, named Glenda that mm -hmm. we, we get to peer into her uh, journaling, her prayer journaling. And um, is, is that how you converse with him? Yes. Yes. It was about 10 years ago. And um, I was, I'm a new, I would, I have always believed in God, but I guess you could say like Jesus found me is the way that I like to say it. Not that I found him. Um, I'm about 10 years ago and I would try and, you know, you have people that are like, you know, pray every morning and quiet time and that sort of stuff. And I have a, I have a rapid mind. And so I would sit and pray. And before I knew it, I had my grocery list. I had my day planned out and walked away and go, wait, did I even pray? Um, so it was very hard for me to connect. And one day, for some reason, I got out and I just wanted to write God a letter. And I thought that, well, for whatever reason, it wasn't just to pray. It was just to write and connect. Um, and then that's when I really got a chance to connect to him. I really got a chance to ask questions. Um, and in the pause of writing a sentence, if anyone ever tries it, but when you write thank you, God, or should I do this? By the time you start the sentence and finish the sentence is a blank space for him to fill in and mm -hmm. for him to almost give you an answer before you even finish the sentence. And that, that amazed me. That, that really amazed me. It took a while. It took a while. And people will ask, like, how do you hear his voice and all that kind of stuff. And I think we even had a conversation about it at one point where we said, if you had a baby and you went into the nursery at the hospital and someone you heard 20 babies crying and someone said go pick out your baby you'd have no idea but if you brought that baby back nine months later and put all 20 back in the room and someone said hey go pick out your baby of 20 crying babies you know exactly which one was yours just by the sound and that's was my experience with God the more quiet time that I got the more I recognized his voice versus the others the more that relationship gets built like parent yes. to child then yeah, conversely, you, you know, you, you know, well, we're, we're talking about this, uh, you being a prayer journaler, not just because it, it made its way into the book, but that is kind of how you got this message that you're supposed to write a book, correct? Yeah. Yes. In um, 2014, I can remember it clearly. Um, I had been struggling with some stuff 
for quite some time. And I had this breakthrough with God. It was one of these just aha revelations, um, gone deeper with him than I ever had before. Um, scary almost, but it was beautiful. Yet I couldn't go back to journaling and I walked away from it for a week and then it was two weeks. And then I would, and then I would say, well, God, I'm just going to talk to you. Like, I'm just going to talk to you like normal people do. I'm not going to journal right now. And then I met with actually my Glenda <laughs> yeah. and I said, I don't know what's going on. I can't go back to it. And she asked me if I had a fear of intimacy. And of course I said, no. And then after we walked through it, I was like, holy crap, I have a fear of intimacy. So I went back and um, I made myself, I sat down one, the next morning and I sat with the journal and I just wrote, hi God, I'm here. Love Stephanie. And that was it. That's all I could do. Day two, I think there was a couple more sentences. And then day three, I just had to push past whatever wall that was. And, um, and I was writing just how much I connected with him by the writing and how much I connected with him by the journaling. And I didn't know what the block was. And I can't tell you the full conversation just because I don't know the details, but I do know that he said to me, that's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to write and I want you to write a book. And I was shocked. I didn't believe it. And I had said, God, I need to know if this is you. Um, I had tried to do so many um, things in my life, whether it was businesses or opportunities that had just failed on my own strength. And so I just didn't want to step out and try something new and fail again. And not because of fear of failure, failure, but fear of wasted time. Like if it wasn't something that he wanted me to do, why do it? Right. And, and so a couple of weeks later, I remember it was raining outside. I was driving along and all of a sudden out of nowhere, it was like an old school Rolodex, <laughs> like that just kind of whipped through my mind. And it was like from beginning to end were the bones. It wasn't all the details that were in the middle, but it was the whole entire bones of the book. And I was breathless. I was like, holy cow, this is you. And um, so I was shocked, just shocked, excited but shocked. So you got just like what sometimes people say like that download, that, that real, like where you, you know, this wasn't your brain doing it, you know, right. this wasn't coming from Stephanie. This is like the download. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. was just shocked. I was absolutely like, <gasps> and the story to me, like the outline of it was pretty good. So I was like, Hmm. Well, I'm willing the, to write that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk a little bit. The book is called Empty Spaces. Yes. And um, we mentioned one of the characters um, named Glenda, who yes. uh, does some prayer journaling in there. Tell us tell us a little bit about um, each character, character, maybe, if we were going to meet them. Tell us a little okay. bit about them. Um, let's see. I'll start with Glenda. Um, Glenda, and I don't know... I don't know if these are spoilers of the book. Um, so let me try and make it as- A little bit vague. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, more vague. Um, she's older. She's um, in her 70s, I believe late 70s. And um, she's been, she's walked through a long journey with God through grief, through pain, through happiness. Um, and she's pretty much at the end of her life. And she's just ready She's ready to meet Jesus. She's just ready to go home, but she's, she's weary. She's not suicidal or anything like that or have a death wish. She's just, she's just tired. She, you know, in the Christian faith, we say we want to run our race. And she said, 
she feels like her race is done. She feels mm -hmm. like she's done the most that she can do. But the beauty of her is that she says, but God, if there's anything else that you have for me here, I'm willing to stay and do it for you. Mm -hmm. So that's her heart. Um, then of course, uh, there's Charlotte and she's the main, I would say the main character of the whole thing. There's four big characters, but I would say that she's the main, main character. And basically she's a 30 year old woman. Um, her life is kind of stagnant, but she gets to a point where she realizes it. She's tired of it. She's depressed. Um, she realizes that it's really not going anywhere and she can't figure out why she kind of wants to go back to the source of why. And even though she pretty much knows why she just hasn't been able to dig into it. And um, I'll just say that something's drawing her to a church. And of course, God being God draws Glenda and Charlotte together. Mm -hmm. And so Glenda believes that that's her last assignment to help Charlotte. And then the next character I would say is Brett. Um, he actually was Charlotte's boyfriend from high school. And as she navigates um, her journey, he was the beginning of it. So it goes all the way back to when she was in high school. And that's probably one of the main reasons she didn't want to dig that far back, but he is in it. Um, and it does show the residue that he has also in his life at the same age. Um, these characters are adults now, but yes. they're living with the residue of the past. Yes. And that's what a lot um, of people do. I mean, that's something that I think resonates with a lot of people. And um, so we, we're kind of dan dancing around a lot of the different things. So you don't want to give any spoilers. <laughs> so it's really tough, but guys, just trust yes. me that you'll um, really enjoy this story. I was giving you some reviews and I saw in one of the um, categories, it was listed as Christian romance. And I didn't think about it as being Christian romance genre. It's, it's a little hard to say like what the genre is because it covers so many things, but there is a little romantic element there as well. Stephanie, it's just a great book. It's just really good. What was your motivation besides besides, you know, God telling you to do this? What was your motivation to write this book? Believe it or not, I would have to say that really was the main motivation. He gave me the story. Um, I love to write the creativity in the middle of it um, and getting a chance to kind of go where he guided me, come up with some thoughts. I will say I the best part was when something would come to my mind that I thought was good. I would basically look up to the sky and be like, man, that's really good. So I feel like, yes, it's, I wrote it, but at the same time, it was so inspired by something else that that really was the main inspiration to writing it. And it's hard to say, like, did I have a you know, purpose or did I have a mission or did I have a voice to kind of share? It really wasn't. Um, I got to share other people's voices and part of it, it's not autobiographical, biographical at all, but there are, of course, as in anybody writing it, our own personal experiences, just to be able to imagine what's going on. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of personal experiences in it. Um, there is a counseling session, a marriage counseling session that I will say one of the greatest counselors I've ever had. 
um, walked us through some stuff and he is actually the referenced counselor. It's not his full name, but he did walk my marriage through a lot of stuff. Um, that was just beautiful. And so I couldn't help but to put a lot of that in as far as the marriage counseling part. And I think that's where you talk about healing when you're talking about an actual counseling session, that's real. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's fictionalized or has different characters or it's dramatized, doesn't mean that it, it isn't effective. Right. Some of the themes that you hit, hit on, um, which, you know, are, uh, you know, relationship and marriage difficulties, Charlotte feeling like, you know, she's at this age in her life around 30 years old and what does she have to show for it? Even if you're an older person and, you know, like Glenda and you're, and you're, what did my life um, amount to? What do you still have left for me? Why, you know, why am I, that, that made me think about, you know, my, my grandma, she was ill before she passed away and we would, I would call her actually on Sundays after church and towards the end, she was just like, I, I don't, just don't know why God's still keeping me here. Like, I feel, <laughs> I feel really useless. Like I just, she wasn't mobile and she had to be on oxygen, you know, and she just kind of sat on the couch and, you know, encouraged her the one day, I'm like, Ram, everybody comes and talks to you and you give out so much wisdom and you give out so much love and, you know, everyone's coming to see you and yeah, you know, you're sitting there. Um, and you feel like you're not being much of a use to anybody because she couldn't get up and cook for anybody. You know, she couldn't do the things physically that she used to do, but you know, she had um, still a purpose. And so that's a theme that I think a lot of people can relate to. And then, um, that, you know, that was, that was a big compliment or a compliment, I guess you could say this week that I got one of my um, older friends who read the book she wasn't expecting it to be as powerful as it was. Like, like you said, she thought she was kind of doing a favor. Yeah. Um, my husband had handed her the book and I think she felt a little obligated <laughs> to read it, to be honest <laughs> with you. And she said she couldn't put it down and all of those remarks. But the big thing that she shared with me the other night was that she was raised in a different religion. It wasn't about relationship. I won't go into that. And she said that she had never been taught to look outside of herself or her situation. Mm. And at her age, I would have to say she's at least in her 60s. Um, she said it's the first time in her life that she's looking around and saying, who am I here to impact? Mm. Not, just, not just my own circumstances, but whose path am I crossing? And I think that's so important for all of us when we're in situations. I've had a couple of friends who are going through cancer treatments right now. And my comment to them, oddly enough, is that you don't know if this is for you you know, you don't know if you're just going through this for another reason. And I said, you know, look at the nurses. Do they need help? Look at the people in the lobby. Do they need help? Do they need mm -hmm. to be prayed with? Do, you know, all of those kind of things. Like, is God just using this as a path crosser? So mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things where it opens up your eyes to say, wow, he just doesn't have me here for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then, um, you know, with Charlotte having some regrets about her past, I mean, you know, that, that's a common theme, you know, no matter who you are, we look back and we uh, sometimes do that, you know, what it could have, should have, what, what, if I had made a different choice, what would my life be like now, you know, all those kind of things, you know, we, we can't, we can't, we, we've made the choice that we've made and we're on the path that we're on and, and until God decides to detour us a different right. way, you know, <laughs> and right. yeah. And so it's really, you know, you really just can't get stuck. Um, yeah. looking at the past because that's, that's not what happened. 
And I would say that's funny that you say the detour part because in the beginning, the first couple chapters, she rides to work and there's a church that she passes for years. And when she hits this bottom, I would say, this church all of a sudden pulls her and literally detours her off of her path for work a couple mornings. So it's funny that that is actually how the relationship between her and Glenda started. And I do want to add just one more thing about Glenda is that as um, righteous as it sounds that she says, you know, God, what do you have me here for? And she feels so honored to help Charlotte. Little does she know in the end that she's actually walking along Charlotte in her own journey that God still has for her to shed some stuff of her own. So even though we think that it's always for somebody else, there is obviously the flip coin too. There is something in, in it for us to grow as well. And I always find that when you get a little, you know, hindsight to something, you can't always see it when you're in the middle of it. And then you look back and you're like, man, like if I wouldn't have met that person, then this, and I thought I was helping them, but they really helped me. Mm -hmm. And um, it is all about, connection and relationships, like you said, yeah. and these hard subjects, um, yes. you know, and, and, and Charlotte will suffer in silence. Yeah. Yes. And Charlotte going back to her past, that's a real heavy, um, she writes and she writes and it's funny because she writes to her diary <laughs> while, mm -hmm. while Glenda writes to God. Um, but she digs and she digs and it's painful. Um, but I think the biggest part is in every single one of the character's stories is forgiveness. And I believe that the hardest forgiveness is for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and that I think resonates a lot in the book that it's people just don't feel that it's right to forgive ourselves, that you can forgive others. And that takes time and time and time to forgive others. But when we think of forgiving ourselves, it's, it's a no-go. Like we don't yeah. deserve it or we don't have a right to it. Mm -hmm. And that I believe is a, is a big, um, a breakthrough, I think in this story of the reasoning, you know, why we do, why we have to. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the nuts and bolts of actually, um, writing this, how <laughs> long did it actually take you to finish this book? Um, well, well you I said you started somebody. in 2014, right? <laughs> right, right. So, okay. So, so I hope this helps somebody because, um, so I started writing it in 2014. I loved it. I got excited Four daughters. You get distracted, you put it down, you pick it back up. I was very embarrassed to be writing it. I'll never forget writing it at a coffee shop because I wrote it in pen and paper at first and someone asking me what I was writing. And I felt like I wanted to crawl under the table as if I had a right to say, Oh, I'm writing a book and I'm on chapter one. Um, so it was very, humbling for that, stepping out and doing something new. Another issue that I had was I would start to dream of success. And I knew that that wasn't the purpose of this book. So it would really scare me and I would put it down and then something would have to inspire me again to pick it up or a nudge from God to pick it up again. So that part alone took three years with mm -hmm. very large gaps in the middle of writing it. And I thought for sure after the three years I was done. Um, again, I had mentioned a rapid mind, a little bit of ADD, if you'd like to add that, can't finish things very well. Um, so when I completed a three-year journey of writing a full-on 140,000-word book at the time, um, uh, that was the greatest accomplishment that I could ever think that I would 
finished that that was it that was good and, and i said god here you go have it you can put it in front of somebody they can edit it they can do whatever <laughs> they want with it i'm done yeah. mm -hmm. um, and then i remember people warning me about this or that and i said no way well it took three more years between having it professionally critiqued and and i hope this helps somebody because i had it professionally critiqued and the whole time that I was writing the book, I kept saying, God, if this is just one, for one person, I'd do it all over again. If this is just to heal one person, I'd do it all over again. And then when I gave it to the critiquer, which was to me gonna tell me if it had legs or not to keep going, um, I had always said, if it is just for the person reading it and they reject it, I would write it all over again. Well, actually when she had it in her hands, um, my words got put to a test and I was really scared of rejection. And when I got the critique back, all I could see was the negative. It's not this, or it's not that, or you're not good at this, or you're not good at that. It's too long. It's, it's too this, it's too that. And so I put it down again. Um, and God kind of inspired me to pick it back up and highlight in pink or whatever, one color, all the good. And then in another color, highlight all the negative. And even another color, highlight neutral. Um, and I realized that the positive and neutral by far outweighed the negative. And I was shocked to see my perspective was so skewed, almost like expecting rejection, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, and that, that really opened up my eyes to the journey. Um, he encouraged me, all right, let's go back and revise it. And I was like, well, it was good the first time, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you did it the first time. Why do I have to do it again? So we revised it. Um, I sent it back to her again. It's called a substantial review where they go through the whole thing. They edit, they grammar, they suggest, they move sentences. They suggest moving chapters or deleting chapters or deleting parts. And I was like, oh my gosh, when I get this back, I'm done. It took, first of all, it took another, it probably could have taken another few months, but between like um, the wind was taken out of my sails again to know that it was going to take that long. And I was disappointed and I put it down again for a long time. I want to say six months. Um, and then something inspired me again to pick it back up, keep going. And I remember my husband saying something to me like, you're just going to quit. You're going to put mm -hmm. all this time into it. You're just going to quit. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm done. I, I, I'm done. And um, just the look on his face and saying, why would you quit? Um, made me realize, all right, I got to keep going. And so at the end I revised it one more time. Um, I told everybody that I was done. Everybody that had supported me in the book, I texted him, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Um, and I have to say there was one man that I met along the journey and he said, Stephanie, your manuscript is your product. You have to get it the best that you can get it. You have to do all you can to revise, to do whatever you have to do to get your manuscript the best product that you can put on the shelf and I remember telling everyone that I was done and waking up the next morning and kind of, I don't know if I asked myself or God asked me, but almost like, do you think that's the best? And it killed me that I had to say no. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so <laughs> it was 120,000 words and supposedly 100,000 words was the goal. And so I was like, man, I gotta cut out another 20,000 words. I'm like, this is awful. So I did it again gave it back to the reviser. Um, but when it was done that time, it was breathtaking mm -hmm. because it was actually done. Like, and that whole process took six years. 
And that's what I would say when people ask me like, oh, something about success or something about this. And I truly, of course, I want the book to do well. I mean, that's just a natural instinct to say, hey, I, I want people to read it. I want people to like it. That's just a human nature thing. But if the book for some reason had to get shut down today, um, the journey of that six years changed my perspective of myself and my abilities and my confidence and my trust in God so much that that would be enough. The way in which like, I guess there's no such word in the dictionary as the word encourager, which I found out, but I really realized that God is not an enabler at all. And he pushes and he pushes and not in a bad way, but a gentle way. And he pushed me, he pushed so much more out of myself than I would have ever thought that I had in me, um, that I'm so grateful to see that. What a, a path of tenacity. And as you said, everything that you put into this journey, I wasn't keeping track, but I, approximately, I think you said I'm done about 18 times, <laughs> you know, and can't we apply that to other things in our life? You know, maybe you're not writing a book, but maybe, you know, you're, you're uh, going back to school or maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's, you know, something else that you're working on. That's just been a challenge that does not happen overnight. And there's those days when you just feel I'm done. Yeah. And then something just says, no, you're not done yet. Yeah. You know, is this the best? Is this really the best? I think that is, uh, you know, there's something to be said for when knowing when things are done, like mm -hmm. when it was done, you mm -hmm. knew it was done Yes, and, and you I, knew that. Yeah. And I will say, I felt like the boy who cried wolf because <laughs> it was about, it was probably the fourth time. The final time was probably the fourth time that I said, I'm done. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, good job. Like I've heard this before. Like, but I remember um, July 3rd, I published the ebook version um, of this year, July 3rd, 2020. Um, July 4th, I published the hard paperback um, and hardcover version. And I remember, and obviously 4th of July and the whole quarantine. So my family was just home. I remember running through the doors and just jumping into my pool and screaming, it's done. Like it <laughs> For was real like, this time. <laughs> yes. And you could tell like my kids were like, oh my gosh, it must really be done. Cause I was like celebrating. And the thing is, is that as the boy who cries wolf and nobody else believing you, I literally was celebrating with myself because everyone's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I literally, like it was between me and God, we finished, we were done like really done. I wasn't just giving up. Like I was done. And so it was pretty cool. And, and I have to say along the way, I would say to God, all right, God, what's next? And it would be like, finish the book. Um, I was at church one time and they had this sermon about the Peter moment, like the big moment where you step outside of your boat and you go and do something big for God. And, and my heart swelled and, and my feet were ready to run. And I was like, all right, God, what do you want me to do for you? Like, I'm ready for that big thing. And, and all I got was finish the book. And I was like, no, no, no. Besides that, like we've already talked about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know the book. Thing. Right. But <laughs> the big thing. And, and it was finished the book and it was such a disappointment to go, oh, gosh, just that. And I kept saying like, what's next? What's next? What's next? Um, and never have an answer except finish the book, finish the book. And so I remember July 5th when I woke up and I was like, okay, I published it. Like what's like, what's next? And it was 
um, get together this and, and, and do this and send it to your friends and, and like all these things. And I'm like, oh, finally, like something new, like a new <laughs> <Yeah>. answer. <laughs> like, so that was, that was pretty cool too, to finally not hear that. And, and I have to say, I don't know how to say this without pride, but one of the things that I think is key to a relationship with God is being like listening for what he says and doing what he says. So listening and then being obedient all the other stuff I think will figure itself out like the right and the wrong and the which way to pray. And do you bow your head and do you do this? <laughs> so many questions where I try and say first find God's voice, then listen to it as far mm -hmm. as like listening to it as in doing what he tells you to do. And that's really it at the end of the day. And so this journey of not being able to say that I listened and did it by like obedience that really bothered me for a lot of years. And so, um, I felt that weight off as if like, oh my gosh, like I listened, you know, <laughs> like, I, like I did it. And so that was enough. That's another big that I can tell like an open, you know, weight off of me for that. That was a huge one. So absolutely. Yes. This kind of maybe sounds a little bit dramatic, but it's making me think about when Jesus had his ministry and then He's on the cross and that's what he says. It is finished. Like mm -hmm. it's completed. It is finished. And then, but that didn't mean it was all done. It just meant it was now going out with the disciples and it, and the yeah. message was going there. So, so, you know, your part, it is finished. And there may be some things you still have to do now. It's great because it's going to be in the hands of other people whatever, whatever God wants those people to be affected by that get your book, he's going to yeah. handle, you know? Right. And that's been the beauty, like to hear people's responses of, I mean, the can uh, like, of course, like the, the personal, I guess about the writing would be like, I couldn't put it down or it was so good or your words are so good or something like that. That's a little bit more personal, but though, and I try and like, all right, don't get caught up in that. But at the same time, like when I hear like, I, the first one that I heard was, um, oh my gosh, I've been struggling with something for years. You put words to something that I couldn't explain. Mm. And now I can explain it to myself. Like I didn't know what I was feeling. I could, and, he, and your words almost like explained it perfectly. Um, I heard other people about their marriage, about describing that. I heard um, another woman, she has had multiple divorces and she wrote me, She's like, I've got tears and the grace that I feel God giving me and the self-forgiveness for those divorces, I can't explain, which had nothing really like there is no divorce in the book, but mm -hmm. there is the grace and the forgiveness. Um, like I said, the one who said our job's never done, our purpose isn't about ourselves. So there's, there's these beautiful things that people are saying to me almost and some, you know, like when you read something and everybody has a different perspective, yes. everybody's answers have been so strange. Like to me, like not in the same, not strange is bad, but strange is in there. So different. Unexpected, like, yeah. Unexpected of, uh, yeah. that that's what they got yeah. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had, I had one friend say, I don't read and I don't cry. And she said, I couldn't put it down and I couldn't stop crying. Oh. Um, you know, like, and, and almost like she shared, like emotionally, it brought out emotions in her that she hadn't been able to tap into before. So it's, those are the compliments that I feel watching God move 
those are the big moments of like, I don't care what the book does. I don't care if it was even for sale as far as that's concerned. Um, because of watching people move, like someone said, Hey, I passed your book on to somebody else, you know, and good, have it, you know, mm -hmm. like, however you have to have it, however you have to read it, however God has to get it to you for your own healing or whatever he wants to do in that. I'm honored just to be a vessel and get to watch him move in that. That's been, that's been what I thought would be a cherry on top, about three cherries on top. <laughs> and just yeah. for anybody listening who, who maybe um, is saying like, well, you know what? I, I don't kind of have that close relationship with God. And I don't even know what that means like to hear God talk to me. This is when you read a book and something resonates in your soul and it makes you cry and you don't even know why you're crying. That's God talking to you. Mm -hmm. uh, Stephanie you know, talked with God journaling, you might just take a walk. And when you, when you, when you get that, you know, your aunt, your questions answered and, and it's not you, it's not you answering them. You know, that's how God talks to you. If you hear a song that pierces your skull, that's how he talks. He's not a human being. And so he has to use human things that we can interpret his yeah. voice. And so it, you know, it's not always, it's not like, hello, Sheila, this is God. And right. I'm going to talk to you today. It's, whoa, I heard that song. I, I saw that thing. Um, just, you know, that butterfly flew and it almost landed yeah. right on me when yeah. I was thinking about something that was bothering me. It's yeah. all those little things like that, that are the way that when you hear Christians talk, mm -hmm. That's just how God talks to us. So right. I have well, to say, and I have to say for that, you know, just when people are like, oh, what do you hear? You know, this and that, like, I have to say like the first time all I did was give God two options. Like, do I do go left or do I go right? And I had to kind of like mentally imagine both and peace fell over me for one choice. Yeah. And then I would keep doing that and I would recognize the peace. I would recognize the actual P-E-A-C-E -E yeah. <laughs> that fell over me. And then I would start to do it in a fast situation and I would feel it. And so I think those things, like when you feel God's peace over a thought that you mm -hmm. have, um, or you feel like, to me, that's the nudge. Like when I feel the peace fall over me, like I'll look around me and go, okay, what's going on? He wants something. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just the voice. We all have voices in our head and he is one of them. Mm -hmm. It's just distinguishing yeah. <laughs> which thoughts are his and which thoughts are our own. And yeah. so that, that's the big key, I think, to let people know that it is a feeling of peace, like the Holy Spirit activating something. It's not the actual verbal, audible words of going, Stephanie, I mm -hmm. want you to do this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's more of a thought that you know has the peace and the Holy Spirit over it. Well, and I think I've mentioned before on this podcast, like starting this podcast. Okay. I never even listened to podcasts that often before I started this, how it started was one day I was just, I don't know what I was doing, probably housework or something, but I just, you know, when you have those conversations in your mind or those random thoughts, that's a conversation. It doesn't have to be sitting down with the candle in your Bible open prayer. You can certainly do that, but I pray all day long because to me, yes. Prayer is a conversation and it's just exactly. the conversation between me and God in my head that I'm not having really with anybody else. And so I was just noticing all the cool people that are in my life that have really cool stories. And I just really said, 
I mean, I maybe even said it out loud or I don't know to myself, like, wow, I just really meet a lot of cool people. Like, how do I know so many cool people? And I'm like, I should write a book someday about all these cool stories that people tell me and these journeys that they've been on. And I was like, hmm, should I write a book? And it's kind of like talking to yourself, but then yes. sometimes you get an answer and it's like, no, right. not a book. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, not a book. Okay. No, that doesn't feel right. No, not a book. Yes. Okay. Well then what? you know? All right. And then time goes on. It doesn't, it's not like it happens right that minute. And then time went on and it was kind of like, Oh, a podcast. That would Mm -hmm. be cool. And then I'm like, but I don't even know how to do a podcast. How do you even do a podcast? And so I just started looking like the curiosity sometimes will lead you down a path. And, um, so anyways, that's how it started with me with doing the podcast. And I'm like, but I don't even know, you know, I'm not great even with computers. Now I have to figure this out. Are you sure? You, are you sure I'm supposed to do a podcast? And then right. there's just all those little signals that happen. And I will tell you on my very first podcast interview, I was driving to the house and then I came up kind of with a name. All right, fine. Let's pretend God I'm going to have a podcast. What would I call it? You know, and that evolved into the detour. And I'm driving to my first interview and the, um, on the way I had the address in my GPS and literally there was some kind of pop-up construction and there were detour signs everywhere. And I had to laugh because there were so many that I had to pull over and call the guest because I couldn't find my way to her house. It was, there were too many detours that the GPS wouldn't even reroute me enough. And I just pulled in the parking lot and I just laughed because I just got goosebumps of like, yeah, there you go. Yes, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And it's supposed to be called the detour, you know? And so there you go. I do, I do want to add one more thing about it. And it's in the book also, but um, some people think, you know, when you're angry with God, number one, that you're not allowed to be, that's the biggest one is like, who could ever be angry with God? Um, but I would have to say, number one, he's bigger than our anger. But number two, um, when we are angry with God, when we are bringing what we're angry about to him, when we're talking through it, when we're disappointed and we tell him that we're disappointed, um, that is still praying. That's one of the things that I had to learn along the way is that if I don't know whoever has children or even a relationship, when someone walks away from you and they're angry and they're sad, or however it goes, and they walk away and you don't know, or you can't talk it out. That's not a relationship. A relationship is when they face you and say, hey, I'm angry, or I'm disappointed. Um, You know, that's the intimacy. That's what the intimacy is. You can have the relationship, but it's surface level until you get to that. So so when people tap into these hard issues, or when people tap into these hard times, and they want to be angry, don't shy away from that. Don't think that God is going to punish you. Don't think that God's going to be upset with you. He made you. He knew that you were going to get to that point. Um, I remember a woman at church. Um, I'm on prayer team. And um, I said, I can't pray today. Can't pray with anyone today. And she said, why not? And I said, because I'm angry with God. And I don't think it's right, you know, to have that on me when I go to pray with someone. And she goes, girl, <laughs> God's so much bigger than your anger. And she's like, use it use it, use it to help people. And I was just shocked by that. I was like, what, you know, and she taught me so much about, she's like, just face him. That's praying, you Mm -hmm. know, and and that's the beauty of our God that he's bigger than that. And that facing him and wanting to bring it to him is more reverent than what we believe because we believe that reverence is holding something high and, and honoring it. But at the same time, it's also honoring a relationship. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, if you can think about the connection, you know, that you have, maybe you have a friend that you could really like, if they hurt your feelings, they're that good of a friend that you could go to them and tell them that, and that friendship's still going to be solid. Or, you know, if you, if you have a spouse or, or a sister where you can really be mad at your sister uh, today, and maybe you don't even talk for three days, but eventually you can't live with them, not in your life. And, right. and, and that's, that's how God feels about us too. Mm -hmm. You know, he can't, he doesn't want to live with us, not in right. his life. And, and, and um, once you tap into that, you don't want to live without him in your life. Well, on that note, tell people now how they can get it, okay? So it's available in the U.S. on um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Books A Million, Walmart, and it's also available online in Canada, the U.K., and other European countries. So um, I do have some international listeners, so oh, good. They, they may find it. And I have a friend that lives in another state, and uh, she's already ordered it. I shared awesome. the other day, and um, she's already ordered it. Um, That's awesome. And, you know, it would really make, um, I mean, obviously, it's a great book to read on your own, but it could really be part of a, a book club because the topics are so... Uh, ripe for conversation. And a lot of them are things that um, people are embarrassed to share or talk about. They're the things that, you know, we don't talk about um, mm -hmm. that, that take root in our heart. And we don't realize the damage that secrets or these hurts are doing. And um, so it would make a great uh, Bible study or, or book club yeah. Study. It's hard to say Bible study, you well, know, like I thought about group. that too. Yeah. yeah I thought yeah. about that too. Cause I was like, huh, you know, but it, I don't, I think that's, I don't know how irreverent. Maybe. That yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Bible study is yeah. not the right word, but Hey, yeah, maybe right. that's, maybe you could work on a, a, a companion yeah. guide with that. <laughs> yeah. But I do believe, um, I do believe that a small group, um, is a good reference to it. Cause I think it opens doors to conversations that you just don't start with your friends and you just yeah. don't say, Hey, this happened to me when I was this age. What do you think? Um, I think it has a chance to talk about characters. I know that one of my friends did, um, have it as her book club already. Wow, and nice. yeah, yeah, she really enjoyed it. And so it's a non Christian, but book club. And they actually asked me to come and speak because speak to them because they want to know more about the characters and more about the background and and open up a little bit more about their situation and how it applies so that that's been an honor in itself um she's actually like one of my friends that i grew up with her mom um and it's all these moms that um of children that i went to high school with so it's so funny i'm going to be sitting in this room with people that i've admired for years and them asking me question so it's wow. it's unbelievable really like, and you yeah. said it was a non-christian book club yes yeah awesome huh. yeah That's yes great. and um yeah so it you know and that that was one of the things that and i don't know i was listening to a sermon um and the person was talking about new not next and i remember asking god like where does this fit where does this fit it doesn't feel christian it doesn't feel mainstream um, it doesn't feel boxed, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I felt like I didn't know to try and do a Christian publisher or a mainstream publisher. I don't think that it's um, edgy enough for mainstream. Yeah. I don't feel like it's Christian enough for like the real indoctrinated, like Christian books. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and I remember God showing me like, for instance, like there will never be the next Billy Graham. 
-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there will be a new Billy Graham for that audience, for that age group. And, and he almost like showed me like, Hey, you're not the next Christian writer. You're not the next secular writer. This is something new. And so, um, and so it's just exploring that and watching what he does with it. So to hear the people that are not that they're non-believers, but faith really isn't an operating space Mm -hmm. for them to hear their reactions of impact blows my mind, you know, to hear people that I believe have walked with God for years, to hear them say that it blows their mind, just the, the spectrum, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's been so breathtaking. Well, I know for me, like, because sometimes, you know, I think about like, you you know, you do, you put a box around things and you think like, oh, this, this is how I should sound when I pray, you know, you talk about Mm -hmm. the reference and everything. And, and I, you know, I mean, I'll flat out say to Lord, like, you're, you're crazy. Like you're on crack. If you think this is, you know, like I I talk talk to him and sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know if this is wrong or not, but I'm a little like sassy, you know? Right. Exactly. And, yeah. um, and I, I feel like he laughs, you know, like he laughs yeah. with me like, Oh gosh, you're just something yeah. else, you know, <laughs> um, kind of thing. And, and, right. um, he speaks my language, you know? And mm-hmm. so I think, uh, that was really good uh, about the book too, because it was, it was good for me to hear some verbiage like that in there that was kind of like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'm not a total heathen, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we need to know that that's, that's who he is. He made us the way everybody has a unique personality and he made it exactly that way. So when we express our personality, there's no way that he's shocked. Right. <laughs> there's sure. no way. He's like, yeah, that one, I made that way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> no mistakes though. Right. Yeah. Yes. All right. Miss Stephanie, thank you for a yep. great conversation. Thank you for your hard work and your tenacity to bring us this book. I know it's going to help a lot of people. It already helped me, as I said. And uh, it, listeners, if you would like to get this book, um, as I mentioned, all the places that it's, it's sold, it's called Empty Spaces. And Stephanie's name is spelled Stephanie with, with the IE, the traditional way. And the last name is LaRue, L-E-R-O-U-X. LaRue. Um, mm-hmm. And her website is stephanie-larue.com. Um, she's also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So you can search her all those places and uh, you can even email her. Is it, can, can people email you if they have questions? Yeah, that'd be okay. great. Stephanie at stephanielarue.com. So if you get to that website, I'm sure all the links are there yes. and uh, yeah. stephanie.larue and we'll put that, or sorry, dash LaRue. Um, and I will put that link in the show notes and, um, you know, with everything that I tag on social media and all that kind of stuff. So Stephanie, awesome. thank you so much for taking the thank time you. today and yeah. uh, any last words? No, just thank you for having me. Um, thank you for sharing this. And I just feel honored that I even get to do this. So I appreciate it. Well, I'm really proud of you. You've got some tenacity, girl. Good stuff. (laughs) Yay, it is finished. Yay, Yay, we did it. All right. Of course, it's long. It is finished. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for listening. You can follow, interact, and ask questions about this episode and others on our Facebook page, The Detour Podcast, and on Instagram at Sheila Shinsky. To hear more conversations like this one, you can listen to all of our episodes on the Detour Podcast channel on Podbean. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. 
So be sure to share this episode with a friend who loves podcasts too. And rate, comment, and subscribe yourself. So you can join us next time as we take the detour and enjoy the wander.